This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Shay Robbins. Excited to be with you for our final part of a three-part series. It's not me, it's you. Well, guess what we're talking about today? Maybe it is me. So you thought this whole series was outward looking. No, we're turning it back on you today, uh, which is, is great. And here's kind of the heartbeat or the premise of the message. is it, We're going to examine our own hearts to make sure we're not toxic. Um, another way of saying it is rooting out toxic traits in me. And so you're going to hear that phrase throughout this message of toxic traits. And my hope is that, that God can open our eyes to things that Uh, are in our life or perhaps places where toxic traits can bubble up and take root in our life. And so we're going to approach that as a body of Christ together in hopes of growing up in our faith. Y'all with me? Okay. Hey, I want to introduce you to somebody. It's the fourth grade Branson Pirates. Look at these guys. What a bunch of knuckleheads. All right. So yesterday was our final game of the season. I can share with you all of our secrets. Uh, we run a 4-4. We blitz every down. Uh, half of my defensive linemen, when the ball is snapped, they backpedal into coverage. You might not know anything about football. I'll just tell you, it'd be better if they just laid down right where they were at. Okay? A um, couple weeks ago, we're getting ready to go to Bolivar to play an away game. Our head coach, Adam, is he's getting the guys all pumped up. He said, we're going to go to Bolivar and we're going to beat those Bolivar. And he's like, what are, what are they called? And some kid pipes up, the boogers, ah, you know, everybody thinks it's so funny. And, and he's like, yeah, we're going to go play those Bolivar boogers. And then some kid speaks up and he says, we're going to eat those boogers. Ah, you know, so funny. So this is my life. And uh, this is, it's unbelievable. I now know why, you know, you look at professional coaches, either the college or the, the uh, professional ranks. I know why they're psychos. Because I, on Friday night, I could not fall asleep. All I was doing is in my mind, I'm running through defensive schemes and trying to figure out how do I get them to do what I want them to do. And it's been like that for the last probably eight weeks of my life. Um, it's, it's, it's so funny, you know, how God tees up messages. And so I'm preparing for these, you know, to talk about weeding out toxic traits in our life. And I've like legit Saturday morning when I was on the field, my blood pressure was through the roof and I I'll like go off and have to practice uh, breathing exercises when the offense goes on just to get myself under control. And I'm studying all this. And I realize like, wow, this is a seedbed for toxicity. Okay. And so it's just, you know, that is where we're at. Things that we get passionate about, things that stress us out. Um, things that rub us wrong, like they all create these little environments for unhealthy things to grow in us. And so um, my, my heartbeat is really to pick up where Ted left off. I, Ashley and I happen to be sitting with our uh, soon-to-be 12 and 13-year-old uh, next month. And we were listening to the message. We were out in the courtyard last week. And I was, I was so stirred by the message. I mean, for a bunch of different reasons, but uh, Ted shared this picture, and of course, this is, 
you know, Nazi Germany and these people are, you know, pledging their allegiance to the Nazi party, except for this one guy who sat apart in the crowd. And as Ted shared that, I just thought to myself, oh, like, I want my children to live that way, to be set apart from the crowd. And, and it's not going to be easy for them, but that is my heart's desire. And so it just was, I mean, it was heavy. I think it was a really, it was a, it was a powerful message for me, but then even to be sitting next to our daughters, I'm feeling that on a whole nother level. And it just so happened this week, Belle had a writing project and somebody asked her a really good question. The question they asked Belle was, you know, what do you want from God? And she wrote down her answer and, and this was her answer. She says, I want God to give me wisdom like he did to Solomon. I want God to be with me when it's hard. I want God to give me conviction and compassion to people who are mean. And when I read that, I was just like, oh, she's getting it, right? She's picking it up. I'd be willing to bet that there's a bunch of you that feel the same way that I do. That you want your kids to have conviction and compassion. And so this week in preparation for that, as I'm just kind of like stewing on what Ted said last week and what needs to be said this week, I'm asking myself, well, if that's my desire, get out of here, right? Always when I'm live streaming, something tries to fly at me. Um, if that's true, I'm going to have to model it. And that's a, that's a big responsibility for a parent. If that's true, if I want my kids to grow up and have conviction and compassion, then I'm going to have to model and so my, my question for all of us is, you know, how do you go about doing that? And I was prayerfully asking God that question this week. Lord, how do I do it? And, and he spoke clearly through his Holy Spirit. He put one word on my heart. And the word was this. Carefully. How do I model that for my children? Carefully. Here's the significance of that word. That word means that I need to go about my business with a great deal of self-reflection, weighing the weight of my actions, being honest with myself. And so I, you know, I'm just asking this question, well, if if I need, to, I need to go about my business carefully, how do I protect my conviction and compassion? How do I do it? And so this morning, we're going to go to God's Word, and we're going to ask God's Word to do what God's Word does. The Scriptures were given to us to be held up in front of us like a mirror. And according to the Scripture... God's Word is able to judge the thoughts and intentions with the heart. So when you pair God's Word with the convictor, the Holy Spirit, what He does is He carefully exposes areas in our life that we need to grow up. And so that's what I want to invite the church into this morning, is that we talk about this idea of toxic traits popping up in our life, and we take a hard look at our own lives with a heart 
to grow up in the faith. Y'all with me on that? Okay, here's where we're going to start. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And I'm not even going to give you explanation. These words are the words of Jesus, and they're as straightforward as can be. Let me read you the words of Jesus. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's the first point that I want to make this morning is that judgment and pride are toxic traits that erase compassion. Let me explain it this way. Um, in, you know, when we think about a self-reflection, these are, these are easy to spot. Judgment, interestingly, is, is when we have a thought that, that is negative-natured in our mind. It generally doesn't go through our head once. It typically will cycle through your head over and over and over again. Y'all tracking with me? Shake your head if you know what I'm talking about. The reason that that happens is, is because when we have a critical thought and the Spirit convicts us of it, if we want to hold on to it, we have to convince ourselves over and over again why I'm justified in being critical or being judgmental. And so with the spirit of self-reflection, it's actually helpful so that I know, like if I want to weed out toxic traits, I want to be aware when I have judgmental thoughts that are cycling through my mind that I'm justifying myself and, hey, that's a flag. There's an issue here and this is actually not okay. It doesn't matter how right I think I am about this specific thing. It is a judgmental nature and that is a toxic trait. And pride always comes behind that judgment and it erases compassion. Um, my wife, you guys, if you've been around here for any amount of years, you know, my wife, Ashley Robbins, she's both the heart and the hammer in the Robbins household. We can't get away with anything. Uh, because we are met with just a whole lot of love and a whole lot of accountability. She's powerful in both of those ways. And in order to, to walk that out well, it, re it requires her to, be, to carefully navigate that space, to, to carry both of those responsibilities. And so judgment and pride is on one side can erase compassion, you can just become the hammer, right? Well, on the other hand, I want to take you to another passage. This is Ephesians chapter 6. It's at the very tail end of the letter. And I think it's especially significant because as Paul writes this, he's closing his letter. And, and you know, when you close a letter, you're wanting to say, you want to make some of the final points that are most important to you. And one of the points that's most important to him, he makes, he says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. 
In some ways, this is puzzling. Because I look at Paul's life and I'm like, of all people, who would need to pray for fearlessness? He was so bold. He was almost reckless for the gospel. He poured his life out for the gospel. But knowing where Paul came from, I understand. Paul was so blinded and so stuck in his ways that he had to have a radical experience where Jesus revealed himself in a blinding light on the road to Damascus in order for Paul to be shaken up. And I think in humility, when Paul closes a letter and he asks, give me courage to share fearlessly. In other versions, it says that I may be with boldness. He knows where he came from. He knows what he's capable of. And I, I now see the, the awesomeness of his life and his ministry being because God answered the prayers of the saints and the Holy Spirit gave this man that which he did not have. And so I know that even Paul, he wrestles with fear or insecurities. And that, that's our, that leads us to our second point. The second point is this, is that passivity and fear are toxic traits that erase conviction. What's interesting about these two things, passivity and fear, is they're less in your face than judgment and pride. They can go under the radar. In fact, they can even be labeled as being a nice guy or a nice girl. But passivity and fear are just as toxic as the traits that came before them. As we, you know, with a spirit of self-reflection, um, I think it's interesting to consider in my life, which one am I more susceptible to? I think as I think about that naturally, I'm a little bit more susceptible to fall into judgment and being proud. I know that that's a, that's a big issue in my life. It is a constant temptation that I can get sucked into. Some of you, just from the way that God made you, your personality, it, it can lend itself and more, just more naturally fall into a passivity or fear. It's good to know that about ourselves so that we can lead ourselves well. So the next step in this is I want to I want to begin to ask, well, how do these toxic traits develop? Right. If we're humble en enough to acknowledge the fact that that this stuff can bubble up in me and it can become a factor in my life. I want to make us aware of some of the ways and avenues that it stirs up in our lives. And here's some of the things that I've thought of. Um, number one is that toxic tra traits, they develop in unhealthy environments. Here's some unhealthy environments. Um, I think online. For some of us, it may be super unhealthy to spend time on Twitter, on Facebook, because it stirs up toxic, tra toxic traits in us. Um, there might be environments, whether, uh, you know, like, um, you know, that you know when you go to, this brings out the worst in me. You know, what are those environments? What's un what are those unhealthy environments? I think of teenagers in the locker room, right? That's a toxic environment that you've got to tread carefully in. Maybe even in the hallways can be a, te a toxic environment. We've all got these places. I want to ask you the question. What are the unhealthy environments in your life where toxic traits develop? Let us be aware. Here's another one around toxic people. 
Actually, I want to back up. I had a young man that brought me a great point. There's also an unhealthy environment um, where toxic traits can develop, and that's in isolation by yourself. I think that's really important to think about. The next one is toxic people. Who are the toxic people in your life that when you're around them, their influence causes toxic traits to, to bubble up in your life? Is it a friend? Is it a sister that you talk on the phone that's sour? Um, is it, you know, is it somebody you run into at the salon or, you know, where's it at? We all have those people and it's so important that we become aware who are those people in our lives. Another one is during stressful seasons of life, like the fourth grade football season. It might be the holidays for you or perhaps during an election. Right? What are the areas of your life or the seasons of your life that create extra stress and cause toxic traits to bubble up? Next one. When we aren't doing what we should be doing. This one I think we all fall into, but I really, I think specifically about men. I want to read this proverb to you. Proverbs 21, 25, and 26 says this, The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. You guys have probably heard the saying that idle hands are the devil's playground. It's actually not in the Bible, but I think it's true. Right? So I'm speaking to the, to the guys that, that waste hours playing on video games or won't go out and get a job because they can't find the perfect job or whatever it might be. Like When you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, that's going to be an environment where toxic traits are going to develop in you. And here's the last one. When we harbor unforgiveness. And this might be the biggest of all. And I've got a lot to say about this. Unforgiveness is a seedbed for toxicity. Followers of Jesus, I want to make you aware. I want to remind you. Is that that unforgiveness is always going to result in your own sickness. Right? Gary Smalley used to say, I'm going to try and quote it, but... He used to say, it's like drinking poison and accepting, uh, expecting somebody else to get sick. And, and I want to make it clear, it doesn't matter what's, what's been done to you. You may be the victim of this issue. In fact, many times you are. But when you harbor unforgiveness, it's going to make you sick. We weren't made to hold on to forgiveness. What happens when we do is we take God off the throne as the judge and we put ourselves on the throne where God's supposed to sit. You were not made to be the judge. And, it, and so long as you're sitting in that place, it's going to make your heart sour. And all, and what I just will call it, the fruit of unforgiveness is toxic traits. And so I want to implore you to be honest. Is there unforgiveness in my life? And if so, what steps do I need to take to give that forgiveness? Another thing I want to say about this is that that unforgiveness 
can happen to the greatest of people. Y'all hear me on that? Nobody's exempt from this. Unforgiveness. And, and, and here is just the beauty of, of God's grace. Is that when we, when we look back retrospectively and we remember what God has pulled us out of, it gives you a gratitude for His grace. Right? To remember what, where I was delivered from and to say, God, I deserved all kinds of punishment for that. And yet, you picked me up, you put me on my feet, you wiped off my shoulders and said, Son, you're forgiven. I love you. Let's go on an adventure together. We've got to go to that place before we can give forgiveness to others, recognizing that they are broken. And that out of a heart of gratitude, I can then forgive others. All right, so here's the next step I want to take. Um, have you guys ever noticed that it's easier to spot out the toxic traits in other people's lives than your own? What's up with that? It's so true. It's easier to see what's going on in other people's lives. But again, that's why we take the scripture and we hold it up like a mirror. That we might look in it and allow God to judge us, to purify us, and to help us to grow up. I was just thinking through some of the, the ways that we can become blinded to toxic traits in our own lives. Um, when we're unforgiving, like we just talked about, when we're angry, bitter, proud, when we're fearful, insecure, wounded, and believing lies. This is, you could probably go on and on with this list, but when these things exist in your life, it causes you to be blinded to the unhealthy things that are, that are going on inside your life. And so as I was thinking through this and just talking with the Lord, I say, like, God, I know that I am susceptible to being blind to this stuff that's in my life. How, how can I overcome that? And as I prayed through it, God brought to mind a story about Bartimaeus. And I actually taught this two springs ago. But Bartimaeus, just real quickly, his story was he was a, he was a blind beggar sitting outside of Jericho. His, he lived off the sustenance of people giving to him and he was in a line of beggars. He was cast outside of the city. And one day Bartimaeus is sitting alongside the road... And he hears this big commotion and he, you know, elbows the guy next to him. He says, what's going on? And he says that Jesus of Nazareth is coming. There's a huge crowd that's around him. The scripture says that Bartimaeus stands to his feet. He throws off his cloak and he yells out this just simple statement. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. There's significance to the language he used. Have mercy. Mercy specifically says, God, withhold the punishment that I deserve. Withhold it from me. Let me off the hook, he says. So he stands up, he cries out, and Jesus is in this mass of people. He's heading to Jerusalem for the Passion Week. Literally, he's walking to be crucified. And yet Jesus, the God of the universe... He comes out of the crowd and he takes time to have a personal interaction with Bartimaeus. And here's how he answers. He says, what do you want me to do for you? 
Bart responds, Teacher, I want to regain my sight. And his simple request was met with this. Go your way, your faith has made you well. And therein lies the very simple equation. In this story about a physical healing where a man's blindness was taken away, there's a truth that lies for spiritual blindness to be healed as well. And these, these four statements, it's just very simply laid out. Having the humility to stand up and say, God, have mercy on me. I recognize that, I can be, that I'm blind to things in my life. Jesus will ask you, what do you want me to do for you? As a loving father, and, and Bartimaeus says, teacher, I want to regain my sight. I want to be able to see. It's the kind of request that a loving father is going to meet. He's going to answer that request. And uh, I'm reminded, one of my favorite passages for, for self-examination is in Lamentations chapter 3. Jeremiah writes this, he says, Of what can any living mortal or any man complain in view of his own sins. I often run here with my judgmental nature and I always find God waiting with a two by four, right? To just smack me upside the head with the reality of my sinful nature. Who am I to judge as jacked up as I am? And in that humility, then you ask, let us examine and search out our ways and let us return to the Lord. The process, and again, I, I just want to remind you, like, as we seek out this stuff that's foul in our lives, we seek it out with a heart to grow up. The Lord wants to raise you up. And there might be some of you sitting here today whose blindness to a toxic trait has put you outside the city walls, so to speak. There might be relationships in your life that are broken because of toxic traits in your life. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a relationship with a child or with a sibling. Maybe it's a relationship at work. Maybe you're sitting on the outside of the city and, and, and you have a desire to be restored. Well, I've got great news for you. The way home is always the same. And it's these three things. Humility, repentance, and reconciliation. First of all, the humility to recognize that I make mistakes and that there is brokenness in me. That's got to come first. And then secondly, it's repentance. It doesn't say humility, saying I'm sorry, and then reconciliation. There's a massive difference between the two. Saying I'm sorry doesn't demand a change. Repentance means I'm going to take ownership of what I've done wrong. I'm going to seek, I'm going to ask for your forgiveness. And then I'm going to turn from that action and I'm going to begin to live differently. The way home, it requires the humility, the repentance, turning and running away in order for reconciliation to happen. And, and there's two, two things that I, I want to... I want us to understand that have to happen when we find ourselves outside the city. So number one, 
you're going to have to change. And I'm speaking this to uh, maybe some older guys and older gals sitting in here that are fixed in their ways. Or maybe some 14-year-olds who think they know everything. And everyone in between. You're going to have to change. And here's the, the next one. Is that you're going to have to rebuild trust. It's going to be a process to experience reconciliation in the lives uh, of those uh, relationships that have been broken. But that's okay. I want to I share one last thing with you. And I, I want to be careful not to dad all over you guys. Some of y'all are old enough to be my dad. And so I want to just speak with respectfully. But from the heart of the father, I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I made a mistake. I messed up with my wife and I was discouraged with myself. And um, I was just down. And I ran into this sermon and a pastor shared this analogy and his analogy was this he said when I look back on my children learning to walk I can't even remember them ever falling down he said all I remember about that process is when they would get up and they would take one step forward towards me in the sheer jubilation that I had as a father as I saw my child walking towards me into my arms and, and he made the, you know, the connection that a lot of times we, we just get so down on ourselves when we fall, we forget about how God the Father views us. Your daddy spends a whole lot less time focused on your mistakes than you do. Y'all hear me? What he's concerned with and what brings him the greatest joy is when you stand to your feet and you take one step after another towards Him. He rejoices in it. I don't know if that encourages you, but it had a great encouragement to me even recently. And so with that, I'll close. If you guys would, would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray together. And I would love to invite... Um, our prayer team would love to help you if there's any of you out here that are struggling with repentance, struggling with making that turn, we want to help you. And one of the ways we get connected with folks is by them walking down this aisle as everybody's filing out and starting a relationship right here. And so I want to invite you uh, to come meet with our prayer team as we close. If you would, let's, let's pray together. Father God, we just come to you and, and I just want to pray, Father, as a church that we would grow up in our faith. I want to pray against discouragement and I want to pray um, for hope and gladness. I want to pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see toxic traits and that you'd give us the humility and the courage to weed them out of the garden. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.